Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Pop Culture University, the university where you learn everything going on in the world of pop culture and see what life lessons you can get from it for your own lives. Because it is not just pop culture, it is our culture, and it is not just celebrities. They are you and me. We are in the month of December, the month of Christmas. We all know the most holy and important human being was born in this month, and we celebrate their birthday every single year. That person is Taylor Swift, of course. And it is a global holiday today because it is Taylor Swift's birthday. Ah! <laughs> I'm celebrating by refuting all things Kanye West and Kim Kardashian because today we need to talk about her time person of the year. Yep, she is the person of the year. They give out an award for that. And there were, how many people are in the world right now? 10 billion. They were, there were 10 billion contestants for person of the year and she won. Shoddy Bay was the runner-up, and Taylor Swift dragged Kim Kardashian and Kanye West for fucking filth in this article and put the nail on the coffin of their life. So as a rabid Kim Kardashian fan, I need to talk about if I can ever forgive Kim Kardashian again. Someone you know I can never forgive ever again is Selena Gomez, and we need to talk about the absolute breakdown she had on social media and try to make sense of her latest massive rant where she was fighting her own fans and herself and a brick wall. We're going to do a review of Pink Friday 2, and I'm going to be real, even though I'm a rabid barb. We're going to be real about it. We're going to talk about Cardi B. She has a major life update in regard to her marital and life status. And we need to talk about my weekend because I saw Cardi B live and a whole bunch of shit went down with a whole bunch of TikTokers and celebrities, and we just need to talk about it. We are also going to mention Sabrina Carpenter exposing Olivia Rodrigo on her story. Ariana Grande coming out with a new album. Kanye West and Northwest coming out with a song together. Shakeups on the chart when it comes to Mariah Carey and Britney Spears' leg getting amputated. But before we get into all of that, make sure you rate this podcast five stars, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, leave a cute little review, screenshot yourself, listen to it, post it to your Instagram story and tag me. I'll hit you up. Make sure you leave a review on Spotify. We're so close to 4,000. And um, this isn't going to be on YouTube, not this one. Uh, I, was on, I was striking yesterday because I feel very passionate and very hopeless when it comes to all the civilians overseas in Gaza and Israel. I, again, I want to reiterate all civilians. I am on all the civilian side. I want them to all have a ceasefire so they can live another day. But I was striking. I canceled my in-studio appointment because for the strike, no one was going to go to work yesterday or purchase anything or buy anything or people were just going to stay home. So that's what I did to show solidarity. So without further ado, Take your seats, get out your notepads, face forward, because Pop Culture University is in session. All right, you guys, so we're going to start with a new segment today. Well, we're going to do the bell ringer as always. The bell ringer is the cute tea, the shorter segment, so I can prep y'all, get it a little wet before I just stick it in and we get to the big segments. But this bell ringer is not going to be one topic. We're going to do something called quick notes. So get out your notepad, be ready to jot a lot of notes down 
so you can know all this for the test. There will be a test, and we're going to go through a lot of pop culture news that is a must no, essential information of what has happened this past week. They don't get their own big 15-minute slot, but we just need to run through them. Starting with the fact that, do you have your pencil out? Get ready to have your pencils out and your teacup full because, oh, this is flaming hot. Britney Spears' dad, Jamie Spears, had his leg amputated. <clears throat> Did Wendy Williams manifest this in any way? I'm not kidding. This is a real thing that has happened. It sounds like something that wouldn't happen in real life. I didn't know people got their legs amputated anymore, especially someone who has stolen millions of dollars from his daughter. Like, bitch, what the fuck are you getting your leg amputated for? So allegedly, no, well, this is real life. Britney Spears' 71-year-old dad, Jamie Spears, had his right leg amputated after struggling with a bacterial infection. Damn, it wasn't even the left one. The last thing he saw before getting his leg amputated was Britney Spears dancing with those knives. There were photos of him coming out of the hospital. And can you believe it? His leg was gone. They really amputated this bitch. Imagine being put to sleep in a hospital and you wake up and your leg is gone. That would be the biggest gag of all time. And I will say, even though he took away 13 years of Britney Spears' life and completely destroyed her mental well-being by putting her on drugs like lithium that she did not need at all that undoubtedly caused her brain damage of some sort and altered her mind as evidently by scientists who say if you get put on lithium for too long you will be mentally altered and you know stole millions of dollars from her and took away her basic human rights for 13 years is this too much karma i don't know i i struggle having sympathy for that man but it is still upsetting i wouldn't even want my worst enemy to go through something like that so yeah i i kind of do feel bad for him apparently britney does not though she does not want to make amends with her father still that is a source from page six <laughs> and honestly i wouldn't either i would never forgive him if my dad did to me what she had to go through with her dad i would never ever ever forgive him Someone tweeted, Britney Spears looking for a fuck to give after her sister failed yet another reality TV show. Her father lost his leg and a strange husband lost his income and her mother had to actually get a job. <laughs> Britney is just spinning like a ballerina and minding her own business in her house. Mind your beat, mind your beat, mind your beat, mind your beat. Guess what? I saw Sam Ascari at the gym. We go to the same gym. Can you believe that? Like, oh my God, me and Britney Spears' ex-husband go to the same gym. So it's right down the street from me in West Hollywood. And my fucking gag when I walk in and I see Sam Ascari, Britney Spears' ex-husband working out right next to me. He's a huge motherfucking star by proxy, by uh, like adjacently because of Britney Spears. He's not a star on his own, but he's A-lister adjacently. And I was kind of a fan of him before just because I thought he was so sexy. I, I knew him from the work from home music video. And I was like low key stalking his career because I was like to my girlfriends, I was like, Oh my God, that guy who was in the work from home video is now in Britney Spears's video. They were all like, that's great, Patty. No one gives a fuck. Shut up. But I actually did like him. So I see him at the gym. He is toned, toned, steroided out to perfection. Just get, allegedly. I don't know if he actually is. Maybe he's just been working out for like 15 years and I just don't know. But his body is insane. It's stupid. S-T-O-O-P-I-D. Stupid. Perfection. Like every muscle rippling, striations everywhere. His beard is perfect. His face is perfect. I totally understand why Britney Spears 
if she's going to be locked in her house because of her dad, she wants to be locked in with that guy. So right when I see him at the gym, I'm wearing these headphones that Olivia Rodrigo's team gifted me. And they're really good at noise canceling. And I, I, I'm not sure if people can hear what I'm listening to, but I turn up my Britney Spears playlist so loud and I work out right next to him. I am fully stalking him in this gym, not right next to him. I was also following what he was doing. You know, he's so shredded. I want to learn from him. Weirdest workouts. He was sitting like apple, what's it called? Oh, crisscross applesauce on different machines that you're not supposed to be sitting crisscross applesauce like you should have your feet firmly planted on the floor. I don't know what that man was doing, but I hope he heard my Britney Spears through my phone. What am I to do with my life? How am I supposed to know what's right? I hope he heard that. And then at one point, he's by the 30 pound weights. And you know, I don't really exceed the 30 pound weights right now because of my back pain. So I go by him I and I say, oh, are you using these 30 pound weights? He goes, no. And then I ask, was your wedding fake? <laughs> I didn't, but oh my goodness, it was an honor seeing him. He is like really sexy and you know what? I don't really hold any ill will towards him. He was an actor in that wedding just like Britney was. All right. Anyway, we need to talk about Mariah Carey. So she was dethroned as the Christmas queen to her elder, Brenda Lee. Yeah. Brenda Lee, the Brendanators have risen. Her fan base is killing the charts this year because Brenda Lee's song that she recorded when she was... 13 years old. I believe she is in her 80s now. 13 years old. So in like 1776, when George Washington was still here, she recorded Rockin' Around, the Christmas tree at the Christmas party hop. I like that song. I like that slang they had back in the day. That's kind of cute. Rockin' Around at the Christmas party hop. I want to go to a party hop. Good for her. And I think it's really heartwarming that you know, she gets to have this moment. She never had a number one hit before. This song has always been really close to it, but she gets to have this moment. She is a bit old, so she may just need to cherish this now. I'm sure this just got to number one because this is the most retail-friendly song ever. I can't really see people streaming this on demand. Like, they stream All They Want For Christmas Is You. Like, All They Want For Christmas Is You is the cuntiest Christmas carol ever. But somehow, maybe it's on, like, Christmas radio stations. It got to number one. So good for Brenda Mariah. Congratulated her. She sent her some flowers and the note on the flower said, enjoy your last year at number one, bitch. You know who else released Christmas music this year that I actually really like? Sabrina Carpenter. And you know what? As the arbiter of Christmas, because I said on a previous episode that if you start celebrating Christmas on November 1st, you are bat shit crazy. I will allow you guys to start celebrating Christmas now, students. It's like December 15th-ish. That gives us a good two weeks as mentally sane people to only put our energy into this very commercialized holiday. Let's just be real. It's all about the gifts and the the glitter and glam and the more I carry of it all. We should really only be giving our energy to this for two weeks. But I do like Sabrina Carpenter's new Christmas EP. It's called Fruitcake. The word fruitcake has been used against me many times describing me as a gay homosexual fruitcake is really good i love this song um wait let me go to my spotify it's all about how like christmas is full of awkward interactions with your aunts and uncles entire traditions and you just want it to be new year's oh it's called is it new year's yet that's my favorite one however sabrina carpenter isn't in the kind joyful sentimental spirit for christmas because she's causing some drama She's going to be on the naughty list. 
because Sabrina Carpenter has reignited the feud between Olivia Rodrigo, Joshua Bessette, and Sabrina Carpenter. And you know, back in 2020, when Olivia Rodrigo shattered our hearts and broke onto the mainstream with her song, Driver's License, a song that SpongeBob SquarePants will never be able to relate to. That song was about how Joshua Bassett left Olivia Rodrigo for that blonde girl who she'd always talk about, who's so much older than her and is everything she's ever wanted to be, Sabrina Carpenter. And Sabrina and Olivia were friends. Joshua said, don't worry about Sabrina. She's just a friend. In Sabrina's case, she said, you know, Olivia and Joshua were broken up for three weeks and three days before we even got together. So Joshua isn't a cheater, but he is a traitor. It was a whole mess. And they have never shared a social media interaction since all of them. That song put Joshua Bassett's heart in the hospital. And so Olivia Rodrigo promoting her new song for the Hunger Games movie, which you know I'm obsessed with. I could not stop talking about the Hunger Games recently. Huge Rachel Zegler fan over here. I love the whole fucking soundtrack. There's one song called The Ballad of Lucy Gray Baird that I have listened to like 200 times. And it's like, it, it, it's going to become my number one on my Spotify rap for 2023. And it came out this month. I'll refrain from singing it. But Olivia was promoting her Hunger Games song on Jimmy Fallon. And she's told a funny anecdote as a celebrity does on a late night talk show. And she was talking about how she had an embarrassing encounter where she accidentally followed one of her exes and she didn't mean to. So this is what she said, quote, I had this very embarrassing encounter once where I was stalking my ex as one does. Sue me. Sorry. And I accidentally followed him because I was stalking him and I was just following one person. So it was super obvious that I was following him. Ooh. Well, you, you know what you got to say in that case? I, I was hacked. I was hacked. That's what I said when I accidentally liked a bunch of photos of shirtless guys on my Instagram and I didn't know it told on my followers what kind of photos I was liking. I was hacked. Still in the closet at the time. I was hacked. <laughs> I don't even know why Instagram would even say that. And yes, it was Joshua because fans caught it super, super fast. The eagle-eyed Olivia Rodrigo's. I don't know what she calls her fans. The Olivia Rodriganators. The Olivia Rodriganators caught that it was Joshua Bassett really, really quickly posted screenshots. The end, point blank period, she followed with Joshua. She's stalking him. Interesting that Olivia said in Good For You that she wrote about Josh. Good for you. You're getting everything you want. You have a new car and your career is really taking off. Is it? I could not name one Joshua Bessette song. Either way, she's probably stalking him, happy that, you know, she's got six Grammy nominations and he doesn't. Sabrina Carpenter didn't think it was funny, though, because then Sabrina Carpenter, the very next day, was promoting one of her music videos, you know, the one that offended all the Christians in that church where she was murdering fuckboys, doing God's work. She was promoting the video, putting a little snippet of it on her Instagram story, and she attached a link. And the link just said YouTube. So upon first sight, you would think that it's just the link to the music video. But then you click on the link, and it's the link to the Jimmy Fallon YouTube clip interview where Olivia said that she followed Joshua on accident. You guys, that's real life. Sabrina actually did that. These people have not spoken in years. Why the hell would Sabrina do that? So fans were super, super confused. She only posted it for like 30 seconds, but celebrities know that's enough to get the internet talking, but also make it look like an accident, plausible deniability. Such a fucking mess. Fans were like, oh my God, why would Sabrina do that? She's kind of messy. That's kind of mean. It seems as though she was definitely doing it for clout. People were like, oh my God, she's clinging to that whole situation for clout. She knows what she's doing. This was no accident. The Sabrina Carpenter apologists were like, 
yes, it was an accident. She's probably just watching it, accidentally copied the link, maybe sent it to her friend, and then, you know, she posted it on her YouTube. Some of these, like, social media shortcuts are quite confusing and do cause you to accidentally do something you do not mean to do. Like, Snapchat has so many shortcuts on it that you just hit one button and suddenly your nudes are on your Snapchat story. And it truly is an accident. One time, I accidentally did that. Luckily, there was a heart, an emoji heart over my private areas, but there was, like, a sexy photo I sent to someone. I accidentally posted it on my story as well, and I don't even know how that happened. And then I, was, I took it right before I got in the shower. And then while I'm in the shower, my friend calls me, and she yells, Patty, have you seen your Snapchat story? And I scream, oh my God. And I hang up, my hands are wet and I just delete the post. And geez, it was such a mess. But I, I definitely do think she did that for Cloud. Sabrina will do certain things for Cloud as she has before. She wrote Skin about Olivia Rodrigo. She, ju she just seems to be willing to put her drama out there for Cloud for her music. And, you know, all is fair in love war and pop music but it was quite antagonistic but you know what everyone already cast her as the antagonist so she said you want a villain i'll give you a villain she really doesn't have anything to lose and she's following in taylor swift foot taylor swift's footsteps of not being friends with olivia rodrigo so i don't know i do think it was shady but you know what you got to do what you got to do for cloud so i don't completely hold it against her However, Olivia Rodrigo, as she always does in this situation, is getting the last laugh because Billboard put out their end of the year list and they named Guts as the best album of the, of the year. The number one best album. Can you believe that? I honestly can. That is an album that is so fucking good. You can tell she was working on it for two years, unlike Nicki Minaj. We'll get into that later in the episode. She was really working on it for the two years that she was gone. She put her whole... Olivia Ussie into it. It is phenomenal. It really sums up the anxiety, soul-crushing, existential dread, drumbeat of being alive every single day that you experience as a young person. And I love it so much. It doesn't get old. I scream that song in my head at the gym while I listen to it. So good for her. I'm not going to officially name her as my prediction for Grammy Album of the Year winner because I I'm, I'm still comparing her with a few others. I will be saying my prediction before Grammy so I can keep my streak alive of always predicting it, predicting it correctly. But God, fuck, Guts is so good. Did you see her SNL performance too this weekend? She performed Vampire and All-American Bitch. She fucking performed All-American Bitch. It was so good. She had a whole set. She was hitting every note. She was serving plot, storyline, outfits. She got her hair messy and food all over her body. Go check it out. She performed down, proving to everyone that she's not just a studio artist, but a live performing artist. And I feel like people used to come for her for that. So good for her. But speaking of Sabrina Carpenter, Ariana Grande. <laughs> Ariana Grande has basically announced that she is coming out with her new album her seventh album ah! war is over <laughs> she said let there be light she posted a reel of instagrams with max martin and them them working in the studio very reminiscent of photos that she posted in the past before she would let everyone know that an album is coming and then her wicked co-star cynthia 
posted that this project is so special and she's so freaking proud of her. Zach Sang, the really famous radio podcast host who Ariana Grande is very good friends with, said Ariana has new music. She's going to come on the show at, before the end of this year to talk about it. And I could not be more excited as the number one Arianator who has defended her through everything from dating guys who look like her brother and the donut scandal and SpongeBob and living in a pineapple under the sea. I cannot fucking wait. She said, I gave you bitches four years. Now your time's up. She's coming back to the music scene. God is a woman. And she came back to save pop music. And like I said in previous episodes, just because I know Ari so well, that's I, I, I call her Ari because we're just so close. I knew she wouldn't be a Rihanna type figure where, you know, she has so many, so many hits that will never die out before they do that she could just live off of forever. I think both of them are actually tied for the most songs with a billion streams on Spotify. Like they're cemented in pop history. They don't ever need to come back. So Rihanna didn't. She just made businesses and made a billion dollars. People thought Ariana Grande was going down that path as well with Rem Beauty and her perfumes and all of the above, blah, 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 blah. But I knew she wouldn't because even while she was gone, she was doing musical projects like The Voice and Wicked and other singing projects. Music is just truly her life. So I knew she wouldn't wait until both Wicked movies came out. There were rumors that she was going to wait until both part one and part two of Wicked came out. That would be insane to me. That would be until 2026. No, Ariana Grande cannot stay away from the studio that long. Like, and she knows she has such a gift. She has to share it with the world. She knows. Whereas Rihanna, mm, let's just give her tens for her radio single. But Ariana Grande, her singing voice is truly God sent. She knows she has to share it with everyone. So I'm sure this will come out months and months and months, months, months before Wicked Part 1 comes out, just so it doesn't conflate what Ariana can promote at that time. So we can definitely expect music soon. Someone said she's going to drop it at the top of the year. Someone very close to her. I forgot who exactly, so I don't want to like say, but yeah. I can't wait for her Zach Sang interview. She's so funny. Zach Sang recently had his first boyfriend and lost his virginity to him. He's 30. And, and I mean, good for him. I think that's the best way to do it. Do it with someone that you love and you're so excited about, even if you wait till you're 30. But Ariana Grande made him a cake when he when she found out he lost his virginity. And he posted about it this week. So she's so funny and cheeky. And you know, every time she sings about sex on this album, she's going to be singing about Ethan Slater. Just remember that. SpongeBob has a lot of holes to put it in. Anyway, speaking of pop stars, Miley Cyrus was named the Comeback Artist of the Year by Billboard. Totally agree with that. Let's give her her flowers. Let's give her her tens. I never want to throw shade at Miley Cyrus. I love her. And on the summer vacation, I just thought maybe I was the only one because the album did not do very well. Just kidding, it did. <laughs> but Used to Be Young kind of was another hit from that album. But I just feel like everything was outshined. I was pushing the album and I feel like no one else was. So good for Miley. I'm obsessed with her. She's another one of these constant girlies who's always giving us music, always giving us something. So she deserves this. I hope she wins Grammys. Kanye West and Ty Dollar Sign are coming out with a collab album called Vultures. Mm, it'll be interesting to see how that does, given Kanye West's public standing. His fans are going to buy his music no matter what. And he has a lot of them. So I'm sure it will do decent. Maybe not as big as his old bodies of work. Speaking of old bodies, you ain't fuck a dicky, you fuck the old body. You ain't fucking Nikki, you fucking the cold body. 
they're going to put out the song New Body that Nicki Minaj fans have been dying for Kanye to put out for years and years and years. Apparently, it's on this new album. So that's very exciting for everyone. But also, Northwest has a verse on this album. The real queen of rap, Northwest. She has a verse on this album. This is her follow-up to her uh, song, What Are Those? Those Are Clothes. <laughs> she hit that really great note that was like, in that song. So I'm sure that's going to be great, but I'm going to uh, play you Norse snippet of her verse to finish out the rapid notes portion. And I hope you were taking notes, students, because this is going to be in the test. All right, so you guys, this weekend I went to the TikTok in the mix concert. This was the first TikTok-sponsored concert that has ever happened in the whole world. I would compare it to something like iHeartRadio, like this big company that just decided to add something to their repertoire by not only being a social media app, but hosting a festival every year with the social media app title on it. So it was called TikTok Festival, TikTok in the mix. And it was very fun. It was in Arizona. So I was there all weekend. TikTok flew me out first class. It was an exciting experience, but I only streamed Glamorous by Fergie, not first class by Jack Harlow. Duh. Why would anyone do that? I do not realize how dry Phoenix was. I, tr I truly started to get like physically impaired by how dry Phoenix, Arizona was. My lips were getting chapped. Every five seconds, I was fiending for aquaphor thank god my friend who was there had some because if i didn't i think my lips would have truly fallen off like that girl in that spongebob episode where spongebob like air dries her lips off to advance in the mojo dojo casa house or something if you don't know like don't worry about it but my lips were gonna fall off and i was getting this cough in my throat because it was so dry oh my god phoenix is a battlefield i need to stay out of there or bring enough aquaphor to like just slug my whole face if it's going to happen again. I stayed at a really amazing resort though. The resort I stayed at, my Uber driver said, is like the Beverly Hills of Scottsdale. I mean, it was beautiful. Such a cute view of Camelback Mountain. I would rather have a view of Camel Toe Mountain. I'm kidding. I'm, kidding. I'm so annoying. I met an amazing podcast listener, Dank Sinatra. First of all, I love that name, Dank Sinatra. You're an icon. You're a legend. I love talking to you. Right when you came up to me in the in the club, like right before that i was rejected by someone so i was kind of in a bad mood but you brightened my day i was rejected by another tiktoker we don't have to get into it but it was so funny you truly made me smile you also let me know that there was really bad homophobia in phoenix arizona i didn't know that that really made me sad i wouldn't have thought that honestly but you learn something new every day thank god i didn't make out with someone in the middle of the street because Maybe people would not have been too happy about that. It really makes me sad. I never take that shit to heart, though. 
live your life never dull yourself down to make other people comfortable so when i was talking to some of the tiktok employees at this tiktok festival it was all going super good i was networking you know and then talked to one of them and i accidentally was being a bit sassy about the tiktok shop because i just really hate it I mean, the whole for you page right now i was just ad after ad after ad so i was like hey like what's up with the tiktok shop are they just promoting it right now because of december because christmas like they really want to sell some product right now because this is the time that they can capitalize on it and he was like mm, i guess they're promoting it right now and i was like so is it gonna get worse is it gonna you know lighten up are we gonna get more organic content soon he was like no it's probably gonna get worse after christmas I was like, oh, okay. So the TikTok shop is here to stay. It's going to last for a long time. And TikTok's going to be full of inorganic content. I asked him, I was like, so is TikTok just kind of this QVC platform? And he laughed as if offended. He was like, oh, no, TikTok isn't a QVC platform. TikTokers just want to make more money on the app. And we're giving them that opportunity. But I'm like, but they're selling products on TikTok's behalf. So TikTok can make money. I was just being too much and I rant about it all the time on my Instagram store and I know my TikTok people see it and I just feel bad, but I'm not supposed to express a grievance. I think I'm being fair. Everyone talks about it on the For You page, all these big TikTokers. So I definitely stop after that, but the TikTok shop is going to get worse, unfortunately, but I am very thankful for things TikTok does for the creators. This whole weekend was so amazing and so um, easy. Like I was carefree because everything was covered and the events were super, super cool yeah you know it's like every job good things and meh things but that's like everything so the class we're going to enter now one of the main courses of the day is taylor swift 101 a fundamental essential class because she is the time person of the year everyone needs to know about her discussing her is as fundamental as discussing the weather these days talking about what taylor swift is doing is as common as talking about traffic it's just what we talk about every day because we're obsessed with her so happy birthday taylor swift time started on december 13th 1989 and can you believe this can you believe that time magazine time magazine cooperated what i said first that everyone hated me for professor patty is a prophet okay i will guide my class towards the correct stance always you know that students and i will take the bullet for everyone first when i said that taylor swift was michael jackson level famous I got probably, I'm not kidding, over 20,000 stitches on that video saying the most vulgar shit to me, saying that I'm wrong. People were calling me the F slur, telling me to die. Like, I didn't know how, I knew how passionate the Michael Jackson fans were, the Michael Jackson donators, but I didn't expect them to be so vicious because I was only complimenting both of them. I was only complimenting Michael and Taylor. Their fame is so stratospheric that it can really only be compared to each other because no one has ever done something parallel so everyone's naming all these reasons how she's not michael jackson level famous blah 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 but anyway time magazine probably the most respected news source in the america said swift's accomplishments as an artist culturally critically and commercially are so legion that to recount them seems almost besides the point as a pop star she sits in rarefield company alongside elvis presley Michael Jackson and Madonna. As a songwriter, she's been compared to Bob Dylan, Paul McCartney, and Joni Mitchell. As a businesswoman, she has built an empire worth, by some estimate, over $1 billion. So I think it's settled. Point blank, period. Taylor Swift is in the cultural 
zeitgeist 100% considered Michael Jackson level famous argue with the wall I'm sorry argue with the wall because everyone at Time Magazine of at least is not going to agree with you but isn't it crazy what Taylor Swift is doing right now in her 34 years of life she's exactly 34 today she has number one album number one song number one movie number one tour number one cat her cat was also on the cover with her she was number one how many spongebob references am i gonna make in this episode something else that was mentioned in this article said by her friend phoebe bridgers also nominated for grammys this year it said standing in the arena referring to the era storm it's not hard to understand why this is the biggest thing in the world Beatlemania and thriller have nothing on these shows Ooh, they reiterated it thriller has nothing on her da, 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 da. Boom, 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 boom. thriller has nothing on her and even the biggest artists in the world agree oh i feel vindicated it's so nice i was kind of cringing at that video that i made for a second because i was like did i jump the gun i was kind of just wanting to make a video to stir up some discourse in the comments i didn't think it would get that big and i didn't want to offend anyone but what we can learn that taylor swift said in this article in this interview she did for time for being the person of the year she said or agreed with someone saying do not kill the part of you that is cringe kill the part of you that is cringing period so i'm not going to cringe and like i never really did but i'm glad that everyone can agree with me now she was reflecting on her past career and she really do, is practicing like radical self-acceptance by doing a tour that is music from the past 17 years of her life because think of all the embarrassing things she might have done in that time but she's on stage putting her whole life on the line like happily singing these songs of relationships that retrospectively maybe she cringes about being with that person i know she cringes about being with john mayer and she's happy to just understand that all of those eras combined made her who she is today and why would she shit on her past self or harp on it when maybe she wasn't the person of the year this year or that year or some other year in the past people didn't like her people weren't on her side things weren't going her way it's made her the person of the year today and i love that she said every part of you that you've ever been every phase you've ever gone through was you working it out in that moment with the information you had available to you at that time there's a lot that i look back at in life like wow a couple of years ago i might have cringed at this you should celebrate who you are now where you're going and where you've been. And I love that she's come to that point of self-acceptance. And that's something we can all learn today at Pop Culture University for sure. But how did she get here to this point of being the number one human, the main character of planet Earth? She said, quote, it's not lost on me that the two great catalysts for this happening were two horrendous things that happened to me. The first was getting canceled within an inch of my life insanity. The second was having my life's work taken away from me by someone who hates me. In here, I think she put what will be her final nail in the coffin of the number one catalyst that she thinks gave her this hero's journey, this hero story to make everyone fall in love with her to an even stronger, deeper, passionate degree. Retrospectively turned out to be a good thing, but the Kanye Kim phone call where she said, my career was almost taken away from me and she was canceled within an inch of her life insanity. I think this will be the last thing she'll ever say about it. And my main point of 
contention right here that I want to focus on in this podcast is I love Kim Kardashian. I love Taylor Swift. They're my two of my favorite people in the whole world. Two of the top five most famous w- women in the whole world, for sure. Two of the most fam- followed people. They're both billionaires. This is billionaire drama between these three. So I want to say, can I love Kim Kardashian and also love Taylor Swift? Do I love Kim? Do I hate her for this? Am I unsubscribing from the Kim Kardashian narrative? Do I hate her? Let's just talk about it. So she said, I had all these hyenas climb on and take their shots. She says, West wrote a song with vulgar lyrics about her and the claim that Taylor Swift had consented to it, which Taylor denied. West, then wife, Kim Kardashian, released a video of a conversation between West and Swift that seemed to indicate that Taylor had been on board with the song. The scandal was tabloid catnip. It made Taylor Swift look like a snake, which is what people called her. She felt like it was a career death. And Taylor says, make no mistake, my career was taken away from me. Now, the last thing Taylor said about it was, there's one thing I've learned, which we can learn from this class. Get out your notepads. She says, my response to anything that happens, good or bad, is to keep making things, keep making art. But I've also learned there's no point in actively trying to, quote unquote, defeat your enemies. Because trash takes itself out every single time. Damn. <laughs> I like how she took this opportunity where she knows this article is going to be read by millions, tens of millions of people to call Kanye and Kim trash. Because the thing is, I don't think a lot of people would disagree with her. There are a lot of Kim fans out there. I'm one of them for sure. So that's my main problem. Can I still love Kim? Let's just recount. Is like Kim super guilty in this? What did Kim actually do? Is it that heinous? Should she be in jail? Maybe that's why she's becoming a lawyer to defend herself on this one day. So as we know, they had this major insane beef and this phone call comes out where it seems like he ran the line by her in the song Famous. I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you're a fan of pop culture, you you know, you know, the phone call. It was for Kanye West's song Famous, where he was rapping about people he feels like he made famous. He had the line... I feel like me and Taylor might still have sex. Why? I made that bitch famous. I made that bitch famous. Now, Taylor, in a statement through her publicist when that song came out, said that she did not approve that line. She did not know he was going to call her that bitch. And she actually, in her statement, said she discouraged him from putting out such an anti-feminist message. Now, Kim did not like that when she saw that. This is before the phone call leaked. Kim didn't like that. So she put out a statement that said she totally knew that that was coming out. She then all of a sudden wanted to act like she didn't. I swear my husband gets so much shit for things when he really was doing proper protocol and even called to get it approved. A spokesperson for Taylor Swift then came out and said, Taylor does not hold anything against Kim Kardashian as she recognizes the pressure Kim must be under and that she is only repeating what she is told by Kanye West. I like that. See, she wasn't attacking Kim immediately and she understands. Of course, she's going to defend her husband over Taylor. Makes sense. And I like that stance by Taylor. However, that does not change the fact that much of what Kim is saying is incorrect. Kanye West and Taylor only spoke on the phone once while she was on vacation with her family in January 2016 and they have never spoken since. Taylor has never denied that conversation took place. It was on that phone call that Kanye West also asked her to release the song on his Twitter account, which she declined to do. 
All of that is true. Kanye then went on to make a really heinous music video that Taylor's friends described as sickening and disturbing, where he had everyone he mentioned in the song laying naked in a bed, like these wax figures of them, and Taylor Swift's naked body, like a wax version of it, totally exposed, like have to blur out the nipples and stuff, was laying right next to Kanye West and Kim Kardashian naked in a bed. Why don't people talk about that more? That should be illegal. Why, why was he allowed to do that? And Kim put it on her story and she was like, look at this wax figure of naked Taylor Swift laying there next to me and my like perfect body. I don't know why that wasn't a bigger thing because I thought that was really, really, really fucked up. How could someone do that to other people and think it's okay? Very weird. Very like desperate for attention by Kanye. Okay, so then Kim brought the conversation of this to her reality show. Of course, that's what the Kardashians do. So on Keeping Up With The Kardashians, Kim was talking to someone in her family, someone, you know, some Kardashian whose name starts with K. And she said, yeah, and you know, it was just another way for Taylor to play the victim. It definitely got her a lot of attention at the time. I just don't think she... I just don't think Kanye should be punished for it to this day still. I've had it with people blatantly treating my husband a certain way and making him look a certain way. And I'm going to say how I feel. Kanye is always so honest and speaks his mind. And you know, when we were first dating, people would always talk shit and he always had my back. At this point, I really don't give a fuck. So I'll do whatever I have to do to protect my husband. <laughs> and then Courtney said, I'm so glad you told the truth. And Kim goes, yeah, I'm just speaking the truth. Kim, Chris Jenner then said, my advice would be to give Taylor Swift a call. <laughs> As if Taylor Swift would ever get a call on Kim Kardashian again, with Kim Kardashian again. And Kim said, thank you for your lovely advice, but I'm not going to take it. So instead of taking Chris Jenner's peaceful advice for a reconciliation via phone call, Kim decided to go on Snapchat, the main motive of communication in 2016, if you remember, and posted a edited version of the 20-minute phone call down to three minutes where she very meticulously edited the phone call to make it seem like Taylor approved to everything Kanye said. Even though in the phone call, we only hear Taylor acknowledging the line. She does not give him approval. She doesn't say, yes, I approve that. Yes, it's fine. She says, okay, I'm going to have to think about it. And Kanye says in the full length phone call, Okay, I'll send you the song when it's fully written, when it's, full, when it's fully done, and we can talk again. So she did not approve it. But the whole world came for Taylor Swift. It was over for her. Truly over for her. I remember I was like a sophomore in high school. And the next day, the Taylor Swift is over party was not just on Twitter, the number one trend. It was, and it was in the hallways of my school. Everyone was so excited. All the misogynistic high schoolers were so happy to hate her because like hating taylor swift was cool at that time so people wanted to fit in they were shitting on her and just happy to see this all-american girl just fall she was this perfect america's sweetheart people were over it so her it really did seem like her career was taken away from her to try to hold on to her reputation she said taylor was well her statement said taylor was never made aware of the actual lyrics i made that bitch famous 
It continued, where's the video of Kanye telling me he was going to call me that bitch in the song? It doesn't exist because it never happened. You don't get to control someone's emotional response to being called that bitch in front of the whole world. Of course, I wanted to like the song. I wanted to believe Kanye when he told me that I would love the song. I wanted us to have a friendly relationship. He promised to play the song for me, but he never did. While I wanted to be supportive of Kanye on the call, you cannot approve a song you haven't heard. Being falsely painted as a liar when I was never given the full story or played any part of the song is character assassination. Agreed, but people did not care. They were burning all the witches, even if you weren't one. Um, and I feel like easily manipulated people or like these just fickle people who don't really even care to have the full proof or the full evidence and just want to get excited in the mom mentality and like mosh at a Kanye West concert and chant, fuck Taylor Swift. They, they didn't give a fuck. They just wanted to cancel her for fun. Um, so that's what happened. Kanye was literally chanting, fuck Taylor Swift at his concerts. And then Kim called her a snake on Twitter, which got everyone to call her a snake basically for the rest of her life. And, you know, was the iconography of the reputation era. So really we should thank uh, Kim because that's iconic. And Kim loves doing iconic shit. So anyway, later down the line, after they bullied Taylor, literally to another like realm of existence. She reflected on it in the brand new person of the year article where she says you have a fully manufactured frame job in an illegally recorded phone call, which Kim Kardashian, she called her out by name in the time magazine article. Fuck yeah, Taylor, which Kim Kardashian edited and then put out to say to everyone that I was a liar. That took me down psychologically to a place I'd never been before. I moved to a foreign country I didn't leave a rental house for a year. I was afraid to get on phone calls. I pushed everyone away from me. I pushed the most important people in my life away because I didn't trust anyone anymore. I went down really, really hard. I thought that moment of backlash was going to define me negatively for the rest of my life. Damn, it's really interesting getting insight on how badly it affected her because, yeah, we knew she was off the internet for a year but i didn't know if that was just for dramatic effect and she was just like going on vacations and enjoying her life and not really caring maybe using it as an excuse to not be active or you know be this big famous persona for a year but it actually seemed like she was truly depressed and i get it her whole complex in her mind of her whole life was being a good girl and wanting everyone's approval and i can kind of relate to that in some ways i think i growing up i definitely wanted to be a good kid i was scared of authority i was wanting to be super, super extra nice to everyone and just be this good person because I didn't want to be viewed as a bad person. So when the whole world cast her as a villain and said, you are bad, of course, it's going to fuck with her and kind of like reset the whole complex of her life. But to Kim, it was just a way to get press and a way to promote her show and all these things. So it is super, super evil. And I want to now get into the fact, can I forgive Kim Kardashian? In 2020, the full phone call was leaked. And it it made me... I sent a chill up my spine about Kim because the phone, the full phone call was edited like crazy. Like, Kim didn't just post certain parts. She was cutting out Taylor's responses. She was cutting out the cohesive conversation. It was edited to frame her. It was a manufactured frame job and it was very sinister in that way and i want to say the nail in the coffin of what made kim look 100 guilty and 
confirmed she is a liar and she knew what was going to happen. And she wanted to take Taylor Swift down just for fun and cut out all the important parts and make Taylor Swift's defense useless in the public eye. Back in 2016, there's a part in the 20-minute phone call where Taylor Swift says, I was worried that you were going to call me that stupid dumb bitch in the song and I'm happy you didn't. Because when Kanye told her the line, he didn't say that bitch part and then Taylor, later in the call that Kim cut out, Taylor was like, oh, I'm happy you didn't call me a, a bitch or that bitch. And Kanye knew she wouldn't like that, but he still put it in the song. And that paints Taylor as 100% innocent. Kim 100% guilty. Um, hashtag Taylor told the truth was trending in 2020. I remember it was a joyous day. The, the lover era was out. The sun was shining. Well, I guess it was in the pandemic. So never mind. It was not. But Kim then frantic, all panicking in 2020, put out a string of tweets to try to further defend herself and make Taylor seem like a bad person. She put out some tweets that said, to be clear, the only issue I ever had around the situation was that Taylor lied through her publicist and stated that Kanye never asked her for, for permission. They clearly spoke, so I wanted you all to see that. Nobody ever denied the word bitch was used without her permission. Interesting that she is okay with the word bitch being used without her permission. Because why would she be okay with that in the first place? Kim also said, Taylor Swift has chosen to reignite an old exchange. No, she didn't. The full phone call was leaked. That at this point feels very self-serving, given the suffering of millions right now because of the pandemic. Kim's still trying to paint her out as a villain in 2020. She's so crazy. I didn't feel the need to comment a few days ago, and I'm actually embarrassed and mortified to be doing it right now because she continues to speak on it. I feel like I'm left without a choice but to actually respond because Taylor is actually lying. She was still saying Taylor was a liar in 2020. Um, she continued and said, at the time when they spoke, the when at the time when they spoke, the song had not been fully written. But as everyone can see in the video, she manipulated the truth of their actual conversation in her statement when her team said she declined and cautioned him about releasing a song with such a strong misogynistic message. The lie was never about the word bitch. It was always whether there was a phone call or not. And the tone of the conversation. Taylor never lied about there being a phone call. She just said she did not approve of it. She didn't say, I never hopped on the phone with Kanye West. She never denied that there was a phone call. She just said, I didn't approve of it. And Kim twisted those words to make the audience, aka the whole world, think that Taylor saying I didn't approve was her saying I wasn't on a phone call. That's not what happened. Um, and then she goes... I never edited the footage. Another lie by Taylor. I only posted a few clips on Snapchat to make my point, and the full video that recently leaked doesn't change that narrative. So Taylor's saying she didn't... I mean, Kim's saying she didn't edit the phone call. She just posted a few clips to her liking, and, you know, the clips that she liked and the only parts that she wanted people to see on Snapchat isn't editing. That's not, that's not chopping up a conversation and cropping the parts of it that only serve yourself. That's not editing at all. Kim, like, what? You sound so bad. Then she said, to add, Kanye as an artist has every right to document his musical journey and his process, just like she recently did through her documentary. Kim, you trying to gaslight right now is so bad and so dumb. Yes, Kanye has a right to document his journey, as long as everyone knows they are being documented. Everyone in Taylor's documentary knew they were being documented. Duh. Kim Kardashian thinks she's talking to a bunch of dummies who would just believe everything she says, like it's still 2016 and everyone still hates Taylor. No. There's not a bunch of, I mean, I'm sure there were, were, were some dummies that believe what she said, but no, you look like a dummy here. Kim said, this will be the last time I speak on it because honestly, nobody cares. 
<laughs> to Kim, it's so unserious. She says, you know, no one cares. She's like, yeah, I ruined Taylor Swift's whole life and made her fall off the face of the earth for a year, made her totally depressed, thought her career was taken away from her and traumatized her forever. But no one cares. Kim, I'm so sorry, but you are 100% guilty, point blank, period, bringing the dancing lobsters. I truly think Kim and Kanye should have gone to jail for that or served some sort of jail time for the frame job that they did against Taylor. And I'm actually really happy that this person of the year article shows that Taylor was right. Trash takes itself out every time. Kim and Kanye had a horrible divorce. Kim is traumatized by the person that Kanye has become. She cries every time she talks about him on the show. Their whole home and life is completely destroyed. Kanye has lost billions of dollars. Tay Voodoo has worked its magic and Taylor has come out the good person in the end because she keeps her side of the street clean. They wouldn't know what that means. And I do wonder how Kim deals with the guilty conscience of it all because she knows she's what she did was bad. She knows what she did was evil but she's just trying to make herself look good for her public image and her businesses. But I wonder how she deals with that guilty conscience. All the Taylor Swift fans are demanding right now in Kim Kardashian's comment section to apologize to Taylor. It's trending. Everyone's leaving her snake emojis in the comments this week. And it's such a beautiful first full circle moment. So no, I can never forgive Kim Kardashian for this. I will always like Taylor Swift more because of this. However, I love Kim. <laughs> and this is like when your best friend has like a fatal flaw that you just have to deal with or your best friend did that one thing and you're just like oh i can't like I, I guess i forgive you and we can move on but i won't ever forget it's just that one fatal flaw that you just have to deal with so i don't forgive kim but i can love her and enjoy her stuff as well this will be like her one warning and if she does something that evil again i may have to stop consuming her stuff so happy birthday taylor swift all of your enemies have fallen by your sword Luckily, you guys, my back pain is doing a lot better. It's not 100% gone from when I was in Vegas in November. Like, that was like 100%. It was awful. I couldn't even throw ass at the club. Even when I was just gambling, sitting in that chair hurt so bad. I will say my back pain has reduced like 50%. So that's nice. But it's still there. It's still ever present. My back still really fucking hurts. Also, it has made me gain weight. It's so embarrassing because Scott Disick on the kardashians recently was like oh i got in a car crash and then i i gained weight because i can't move very much and i was like oh come on scott like don't be dramatic just diet <laughs> but now i'm like i've gained weight because my back hurts like the same thing happened to me people are asking me patty are you bulking right now is it bulking season patty no i did not mean to bulk i am not bulking but when people ask me that i'm like wow it's as obvious as i thought it was I feel like Debbie Ryan and Insatiable, Fatty Patty. Only when people ask me if I'm bulking and I'm not. Like, don't point it out. You may as well just call me that. Jeez. Can I also tell you something? The celebrity restaurant, Carbone, where, like, the Kardashians have their birthday and, like, Selena Gomez loves. Like, they, they just, I, I uh, know someone there. 
and they sent me like a PR package of all their really good pasta sauces, like seven different cases of pasta sauce, not cases, bottles. So I'm like, oh my God, I have to eat it now. So I'm just going to get fatter and fatter and fatter. And then when I go home to see my mom, I know she's going to make me so much fucking food. So it's just my plus size era is coming. But, you know, I'm practicing radical self-acceptance. It's fine. I will be happy with that. Like, I actually think it looks like cute on me. But when people like point it out, ugh, irritating. Anyway, class, the next class we're going to be talking about is Selena Gomez 405. This is an advanced class. It's why in the 400 levels, because it's very deceptive. This is a class that you really need to see through to understand what's going on. So no one is keeping an eye out for Selena. That is for sure. Not her publicist, not her best friend, Taylor Swift, not her assistant, Raquel. No one is keeping an eye out for her because it's really official right now. Selena Gomez needs the internet taken away from her. So let's try to make sense of her latest massive social media rant because she revealed way too much. At this point, She's fighting her fans. It's always Selena Gomez against someone, and she's ran out of people to publicly fight with, so now she's fighting with her own fans. Oh, my God. So, it to the Selenators out there, I have respect for you guys. Good for you guys for defending her through all of this. It must be exhausting rooting for the anti-hero. So, bless her heart. Selena Gomez just announced she's in a relationship with Benny Blanco. <laughs> Remember when we thought she was going to be dating Zayn? She was really dating Benny Blanco. <sighs> because apparently they've been together for six months. According to Selena. But you know, S S Selena just be saying shit when her keyboard fingers get excited. She just be saying shit. So they've been together for six months, apparently. <sighs> they previously worked together on a song, I Can't Get Enough. There were some other artists on the song. Benny Blanco is a producer. Um, really big music producer. So a fan account for Just Pop Culture posted um, rumors that Selena Gomez and Benny Blanco might be dating. And Selena put in the comments, facts. Because we know Selena Gomez lives in the comment section of every comment section that there is. If there's one comment on a video, it's Selena Gomez. So she said facts and then she says he is my absolute everything in my heart wow he is my absolute everything in my heart that doesn't really make sense but <laughs> okay selena gomez so she's really hard launching here we're not doing a soft launch we're not gonna get like any teasing she's just gonna blatantly hard launch he is my everything all right that's a bold way to do it so benny blanco's a producer he produced um alongside people like charlie puth you know him and Charlie Puth are like they're both super good producers oh my god I saw Charlie Puth at the TikTok festival he was actually so good so fucking good like I do think Instagram needs to be taken away from Charlie Puth because his thirst traps are crazy like insane and borderline inappropriate but he was really good and I was vibing the whole time I was like almost crying you know when we don't talk anymore came on he cut out Selena's vocals I was like yes come for her because you know they had a relationship that went really bad for selena and charlie more so charlie and then he made that music video of a picture of selena burning it went really bad for them so he's over it cut her out of the song um betty block was also friends with justin bieber he produced some of justin's more recent songs 
like Lonely, 2021. So very good friends with Justin. The gag is, students, here's the biggest gag. Benny Blanco actually has talked shit about Selena Gomez before in order to defend Justin Bieber. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. That really happened. So previously, in 2021, uh, Benny Blanco was in a music... F- no, no, no. Benny Blanco was just in a video. It was like some sort of live stream, and he was talking about how Justin Bieber is different. He's special. He's a really great pop star. And he said that Justin Bieber isn't just a cookie-cutter pop star who will release a single and then release a makeup line and just be cookie-cutter and basic. Justin Bieber actually is very different and has a lot of talent and is very real with his fans and open about his anxiety and stuff like that. So he kind of came for Selena to bring Justin up. And that was right when Rare Beauty launched. So everyone was like, oh, he's talking about Justin. Rare Beauty just launched. He is definitely calling Selena Gomez, you know, just another run-of-the-mill, not very standout-y, amazing, dazzling pop star. So he's kind of talked shit about her before. But it is interesting that he's friends with two of Selena Gomez's exes. Like, she was like, you have to cut everyone off to be with me. It does make you think, though, because I know there's some crazy people out there who will talk to people that their exes used to talk to or used to be with. Um, or, like, our friends or, like, adjacent to their ex to feel closer to that person that they still love. And I'll admit it, I've done this before. This is, like, one of the craziest things I've ever done. But there was this guy I really liked, and I knew he was had a thing with someone else on campus. So after their thing was over, I saw an opportunity to become friends with that person who he had a thing with because I wanted to, like, see what he liked about this person so much. I'm crazy for admitting that, but it's real. Like, I really did. That was, like, three years ago. Don't hold it against me, but I wonder if Selena's doing something like that like trying to get closer to Justin because in my eyes she's still obsessed with Justin. I think we can all agree that she is. And this will like further that point. But yeah, I wonder if she's doing this to get closer to Justin, maybe to sabotage Justin's new album, taking away his producer. Who knows? So her fans after she hard launched immediately were not approving because he's talked shit about her before. One of her fans said, at Selena Gomez, he's crushed you, talked shit about you before. That's not treating you well. So, like, why would you be with him? And then Selena said, then why has he been the best thing that's ever happened to me? The end. Yeah, she was, like, mad at her fans for no reason. She was defending this man to the death on social media. Another fan said, he is so unhandsome. Selena responded, I feel bad for you. Another fan said, isn't this the man who made fun of her to take Bieber's side? If that's the case, I think he should apologize in public. Whatever. I guess if she's happy, da, da, da. Selena said, he has my heart. All right. Weird that she's even responding to comments with Justin's name in it. I think any 31-year-old with a certain level of decorum wouldn't do that. Um, then, in promoting her new relationship... She had the time to prioritize bringing up her exes, as always. Some fan said, her choices in men, and then put, like, a frowning emoji. And she said, LOL, well, everyone in the past did suck. 
another fan said, Selena, he shaded you. Why would you be with him? And she goes, LOL, yeah. And he's still better than anyone I've ever been with. Like, why is she dissing all the exes in comments that don't call for her to diss the exes? Very odd. There's always just some sort of callback to Justin for her. Maybe you Selenators listening don't agree. You know what? I'll try to be nicer to her in this episode. Try to be on so, uh, not on her side, but understand, maybe? Look, the thing is, I've tried to understand Selena Gomez for a decade at this point. And it's just confusing. So she's with Benny Blanco. Interesting choice. But you know, the heart wants what it wants. She said, yeah, my man used to bully me. But who cares? Honestly, she's so me like that. She's, she's so me. Maybe I come for Selena because I'm projecting. Because I, she does things that I don't like about myself. I did the thing with the ex. I'm, I'm with guys who are mean to me. Maybe I'm like, Selena, you got to get it together because I need to get myself together. Another one of her fans said, she has low self-esteem, sadly. There's so many intelligent, talented, handsome, clean men that want her, but she always chooses the musty guys. Selena goes, LOL, oh, sweet girl, you're so off. Then she continues, I don't understand. If you actually care about me, this is my happiest. If you don't, feel free to say whatever you want but I will never allow your words to guide my life ever. I'm done. If you can't accept me at my happiest, then don't be in my life at all. Whoa, Selena. Remember, these are the people who fund your life. These are, the, these are your fans. They like you. They care about you. Why are you yelling at them? She's like, I have never, ever been happier. It's just getting out of hand. Selena Gomez is always out of pocket. She couldn't find the pocket if she was wearing cargo pants. If there was 30 pockets to choose from, she couldn't find it. Um, continuing on. There was a really long one I wanted to read. Oh, yes, yes, yes. This, this one. If I had Selena Gomez's fortune after recording Only Murders in the Building, I would take a year off, travel around the world, meet new people, new culture. Selena is very attached to her family. I honestly think this impedes her personal development. Always surrounded by many friends and also people who speak badly of her. This is a lack of self-love, who, someone who doesn't know themselves. I don't think Benny is a bad guy, but he clearly said things in the past to hurt her. You don't need to stop talking to the guy, but forgive him to the point of dating? I think it's too much. This is a lack of self-love. Uh, people say her, like, friends are mean to her, like her assistant Raquel is bad to her. Selena Gomez said, back to that. Oh, sweetheart, I've been in therapy since I was 18. I know what's best for me, and I will fight till I get what I deserve. I appreciate your misguided input, but I'm growing. Don't feel free to grow with me. Just know I'm never going to be with a fuckboy again. Ever. Sorry to disappoint. Again. Out of touch. Not even close. Off by a mile. Tried to stay in the pocket. Was off by a mile. I, I don't understand the anger towards the fans. Not even on some like hater shit right now. I just truly don't understand what's going on. And a lot of the fans too were just very, very surprised. Even her own like biggest stands were saying things like, like, like this is from a Selena Gomez fan page. It's got 2000 likes. It says sitting down and looking at everything. I literally have no words. She's clearly not okay. This is not funny anymore. And I actually hope she gets some kind of help, some kind of help. Just no words. Yeah, I agree. That's why I'm just going to go ease on her right now. 
Then Selena liked a Justin and Haley post where they were talking about how can we stop comparing her new relationship to Justin and Selena? No one cares. Stop associating her exes with her. When Selena was the one who already brought up her exes about three or four times in comment sections, um, a fan responded to this and said, so Selena Gomez is liking Jelena edits while being in a new relationship. God, fuck, we're never going to be free. <laughs> um, she even started, Selena even started fighting herself at one point, responding to her own comments with things like, but I don't care, but no one's going to listen to you, but who cares about that? Like she's fighting to her own comments. Uh, a fan said, quote, fighting your fans for a man is embarrassing. Then she responds, the most important thing to me is my people. You all have saved my life, but I have the right to defend my life. No one's coming for your life. You're not, you don't have to defend your life. You are not like on, on the front lines. Like you're not defending your life. I don't understand what is going on. So I made a TikTok about this and this was something that I used to get hate for, like talking about how Selena Gomez is actually like very problematic and argumentative. She just seems like a negative person, someone who like craves, craves negativity so, so, so much. Definitely like a victimhood complex. And if she's not currently being the victim of something or someone, she will create a situation to become the victim because she's like, that's really the only place that she feels comfortable when I was defending Haley just from the insane bullying she was getting during the whole situation earlier this year, people were saying things like, these are real comments on my post. Patty, is Chris paying you? I listened to your podcast. I'm shocked. You're picking their side, but they're mean girls and Selena is innocent and the victim. And now people leave comments on my new TikTok like, wow, um, I, like, I never believed this, but now I do. Thank you for opening my eyes to her. You really changed my mind about her over the past few months. People are definitely seeing the light on the whole situation. So maybe another thing I was correct about. I'm a, prof I'm a professor. I have my PhD. I study these people deeply and I will guide my students towards the truth and correct stance on the matter. So apparently she's been dating Benny Blanc over six months. I think that's a lie. Some fans maybe think that's a lie as well because there was an interview she did in the UK three months ago where she talked about how she loves being single and all the things she's doing while she's single and her advice to single people three months ago. A lot of fans also say, even like Entertainment News was commenting on this, that they saw Benny Blanco on Raya two weeks ago. She also posted that she has a ring with a big sparkly B on it for Benny that she wears on her finger. You know, people maybe think, oh, we, you know, they have been together for a long time. That's like a custom piece of jewelry. They found it on Sheen for $9, the exact same ring. So interesting. Selena Gomez is definitely the PR princess. So maybe this is for PR. Maybe she just wants to lie and say they've been together longer. None of this is making sense. Like, it's actually really sad to see your childhood idol. Because, of course, I've loved her for so long. I just don't agree with the thing she says. It's it's sad to see like your childhood idol like unravel like this. Like I don't like to see this. Then she commented on something that she really should not at all. But and it's um the catastrophic situation in Palestine right now. And you know, in the past she made a lot of people very, 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 very mad about things she said about this the war. 
someone said, Selena is out here doing the absolute doing the absolute most under this post over some fuck ass relationship. But when she's asked to stand with the people of Palestine, all of a sudden she has to take a social media break. Okay, that's fair to say. And then Selena responds and says, you're right. She responded to that. Why would she respond to that? Why did she think that was okay? That's insane. And like, she's doubling down on it? Why in the hell? Like, did she get one second of satisfaction from hitting send on that? It's insulting. It's insensitive. It's downright mean. Why would she do that? But the wild comments didn't stop there. Someone else said, remove your cheek fillers and implants, Selena. It's messing with your brain. And she says, ha, 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 ha. I've had Botox, baby girl. Huh? Speechless. Speechless. And you know, she's just having the best time responding to these, feeling like the baddest bitch. She's, she thinks she's the clapback queen. Ooh, all of her fans are going to love this. They're going to eat her up. No, girl. Put the phone down. Break the phone. Raquel, get a hammer and break her phone. Someone else says, I really hope all of these stunts are just marketing for her new album. And Selena says, me too. She, she just hopes it's also marketing for her new album. Like antagonizing her fans. And then she decides to say that her album is actually coming out in two months. This doesn't seem like the most opportune time to announce that. There's not good hype built. Actually, the opposite. Just so interesting. And again, I'm actually biased towards Selena. I grew up with her. You know, I love her message of kindness, but I want like real kindness, not kindness used for manipulation. I don't know. Then Selena threatened to take a Instagram break. This is the Selena Gomez playbook. This happens every time she fights someone online. She ends it with, I'm taking a break. You guys bullied me off of social media again. She's like the girl who like changes schools because she was bullied, but like no one bullied her. So she says, I'm never trolling. I'm leaving Insta for a while until I have work again. I just stand up for what I believe in. I have no shame in doing that. I love my fans more than anything in the world. I like what she says. I'm leaving Insta to life to work. She's like, I'm leaving Insta to life to promote rare beauty to you guys again. So this is like the 12th time this week she's threatened an Instagram break. Maybe she just needs one more reason. Her 13th reason why to leave Instagram. <clears throat> Even the Taylor fans were judging her. And they usually have her back. But this time they were like, hey, Dorothea, shut the hell up. So in, the, in, in a record-breaking social media break, she came back 20 minutes later. And posted Disney clips on her Instagram story. And she's back to posting selfies on her Instagram story today. <clears throat> Very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for her. I feel worried. I think she needs extensive help. She needs to genuinely get off social media. For, for, forget about the businesses. Forget about all of this. Drop it all. Please 
seek help. We do care about you. You've made mistakes. You've upset me and other people, but like we will welcome you back if you just change up the way you move a bit, Selena. If you know you you just stick to the message of kindness and stop fighting people online and doing all these things. I genuinely feel bad. Her fans really had nothing to say. So they started to say she was hacked. <laughs> they were like, this can't be her. So she's hacked. No, she wasn't hacked. Her they, her fans are like the fans who cried hacked. Because whenever shit like this happens, they're like, she's hacked. No. She's not. So anyway, she was seen out with Taylor the next day. <laughs> now... Kim Kardashian's fatal flaw is that she came for Taylor. Taylor's fatal flaw is that she's friends with Selena Gomez. That's like Selena Gomez's ace, though, like being seen with Taylor, because Taylor's like person of the year. You know, she has the Midas touch. Everything she touches turns to gold. So Selena just needs to learn from Taylor. The, the PR with Taylor is perfect, and just learn from that. Um, I feel like Taylor's just a good friend. You know, her friend is going through something, and, you know, she that's her friend, and she's got to stick by her. So... When Selena Gomez was definitely a little bit nicer back in the day, you know, that's when they started to be friends. So she can't just leave her at this point. So good for Taylor for being a good friend. But what do y'all think is going on with, with Selena Gomez? What do you make of this? What is your current opinion of Selena Gomez? I would love to know. Uh, can can you support her? Let me know, students. All right, class. So the last segment we're going to get to today is called Album Reviews 301. This is actually like one of my favorite classes we do here. I love an album review. Let me know if you would like me to do more. I feel like there's so many exciting albums coming out soon, like Ariana Grande, Tate McRae's have come out. Lots of exciting stuff, but I want to do Pink for Friday 2 review because I'm not just a casual Nicki fan. I'm a Nicki fan. Pull up in the tree, Lanka. I love Nicki. This has been an album five years in the making. The hype was very, 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 very big. You know, the, the fans created a whole makeshift world. We using AI to promote this album and it was beautiful. I moved out of West Hollywood and moved into Gag City gag city for this damn album for Nicki minaj the fucking queen of rap gag city is overpopulated it smells like poppers and burgers it's constantly being hotboxed everyone was traveling near and far to come to this new gag city though the title of this album pink friday 2 was a genius marketing ploy by Nicki. she's always good at giving her albums good titles like queen was a great title pink friday was a good title the pink print was a good title because it was referential to another rapper's album i believe called the blueprint but hers was like the female version so she's the pink print like she's great with titles i will give her that but did she deliver because that title built almost insurmountable expectations because pink friday one is like you know this this uh origin story of everyone's favorite rapper it's what put her on the map it kind of builds insurmountable expectations and hype also though so will i sign a lease in gag city or will i move out and to everyone's surprise, she actually dropped the album on time. 
despite previous delays and a messy rollout. She actually dropped it when she said she was going to on December 8th. I was kind of surprised. So let's start this by saying five things wrong with it. Five things wrong with Pink Friday 2. Number one, this is just my opinion, by the way. I feel like the overwhelming reviews by the fans the night it came out were kind of negative. And I was surprised because while I was listening to it, I was having like a genuinely joyous experience. I remember enjoying it upon first listen more than I enjoyed Queen upon first listen. But people were making memes like, oh, I'm, I'm going to move out of Gag City. Someone made an AI generated photo of Gag City getting nuked because <laughs> they hated it so much. People were saying this may be the worst album she's ever put out. I was surprised by the negativity of even the fans because the Barb's, even if you know they all know something is not her best work, they will fight to the death. They will never admit that it's bad. So the fact that even some Barb's are saying that, I was really surprised. So here's five things I thought were wrong with it, and you know I could critique it in a way. So I I would say number one is that she was shy with her vocals. She was shy with them. She's established herself as a vocal chameleon, like a voice actor almost that can channel multiple characters like Roman and Chun-Li and Red Ruby. And I feel like she used to be known for amazing enunciation. She would say every word of her rap so clearly and crisply. That's why you could rap them back so easily and you could learn them so easily because she would enunciate greatly. She would say it with her chest boldly. But she seemed shy on this album. She seemed like mumbly, like like she was talking like nonchalantly, mumbly. She would rap and sing very lackadaisically, like she lost half of her chest or something. And she did because she got her titties reduct. But she just wasn't like singing or rapping boldly. On her song, Pink Birthday, she sang the chorus and it was like, I was just like, this is so like mumbly. She was like, I will make you feel like it's your special day. But in the past, she'd be like, this dude named Michael used to ride motorcycles. Like, so enunciated, so much theatricality in the voice. And that just seemed to be gone. So number two is that she oversampled a lot of songs on this album. And the samples kind of fell flat. Some people say the album didn't sound like Pink Friday 1 at all. And I think it did sound like Pink Friday 1. Because Pink Friday 1 was definitely like a patchwork of different styles and Pink Friday 1 had a lot of samples of iconic pop songs and that's exactly what she did on this album so I wasn't really surprised by that I don't get why some people were but she sampled a lot of iconic pop songs like Girls Just Wanna Have Fun obviously Super Freak Billie Eilish's When the Party Is Over but I feel like she overused the samples this time and this was like a class on what not to do with samples how not to use a sample. It sounded like the samples were so heavily used on each song that it sounded like a remix of the sampled song that Nikki just added a little bit to. It like it didn't sound like an original Nikki song with an added sample. It sounded like the original song with a little Nikki on it. And everyone was like, well, Beyonce used a lot of samples on Renaissance too. That was an album full of sam- samples. Yeah, but you can tell the samples on renaissance were the afterthought like the song wasn't based on them in a few cases but it seemed like beyonce made extremely original songs and then added samples to pay homage not the other way around like beyonce's were masterfully done that is a master class on sampling whereas nikki's was not really like that so it seemed like she relied too much on samples to 
almost feel like she could guarantee the song would be good because of the previous success of the sample. You know what I'm saying? Like she rested on that as like a hunch. I guess you could argue that also using such iconic pop songs like Girl Just Wanna Have Fun is actually Nikki um, understanding how talented she is because she could um, face the challenge of needing to do the song justice. So I guess you could see it as a good thing that she used all these big songs, but you could also see it as she was just banking on the popularity of them already. I don't know. Number three is that she, I feel like she was lacking overall vision. Her fans built a better world for Gag City than she did. I feel like for this album, there was really no thesis statement. I wasn't really sure what to take away. I think there was too much mention of her being the queen, whereas that was the thesis statement of the last album, Queen. I feel like all her other albums had some sort of thesis statement and this one did not. Like there wasn't enough, like she, she spent so much time talking about being the queen still that there wasn't enough time to dive into any new subject matter or come on to things that were like also at the heart of the album. There was new subject matter, but not enough differentiation from the previous era. I think she should have just left that in the queen era. Like we get it. You're the queen now. Now do now be the queen. Like, don't just say it like be it. You know what I'm saying? You know what I think about Nicki Minaj sometimes? I feel like she just gives her best and overworks on the features that she gives to other artists. Do you ever think that? I think some of her best punchlines are on features. Some of her best flows are on features. She uses some of her best lines she can think of on features, but then she doesn't save it for her own album. Like imagine if the if all the features she did in the past five years, all the best lines from them, all the best hooks from them were on this album, it would have been skyrocketed. So sometimes I'm just like, Nikki should lay low for a bit. And then when she comes back, the album is 10 times better. And we had such a craving for her and her best lines from her genius brain could all be in one body of work. Number four is that a lot of the songs were short. I feel like she was doing what she accuses other female rappers of doing, which is making songs for TikTok, doing super short songs that are super, super exciting and biting. And like every single second is so epic and like overstimulation, but only for like a minute and a half. The song Beep Beep was only a minute 30. Barbie Dangerous was only two minutes and 12 seconds. Pink Birthday was only two minutes, eight seconds. It just seemed like she didn't focus on making well-rounded, long, thorough, quality songs. She was just like, let's jam-pack something into like um, 90 seconds. And hope it does something online. I don't know. It also seems like these short songs or some other of the songs were scraps from the past. And I don't mean to call her out right now, but I saw Barb's talking about how it seemed like every time there was a feature on the song, the feature seemed like a scrapped version of one of that artist's songs or a scrapped old Nikki song. Nikki even admitted last time I saw you was an old song that she brought back for this album that never got on an album. Her song with Drake on the album called Needle, I would bet a lot that it was a scrap from his Views era. 2016, it sounded just like One Dance. I think the, the Future song on this album was a Future scrap because Nikki was barely even on it. It was just all Future. Nikki admitted that the song Everybody, that's actually a lot of people's favorites, favorite song 
um, was a scrap for a song that she was about to do for Call of Duty that she wrote in five minutes. That's what she said. Or just super short. I don't know, five minutes, but super short. So that brings me to the last one. I think the album felt very rushed. But honestly, maybe I liked it more than the average person because I just had low expectations because I know how she works. She works very last minutes. I think she started working on this album when she told everyone that she had an album coming out. Look, I think she started working on it that day because Nicki Minaj cannot resist hyping up anything and feeling high from teasing something or getting her fans excited. She just cannot keep secrets in. So I think the second she started announcing this album was the second she started working on it. Maybe like this summer. So I have a very credible inside source, Pop Culture University exclusive, that she was working on this album until Thursday night, allegedly, when it came out on Friday. That honestly makes perfect sense because she didn't release the track list until an hour before it came out because she didn't have the track list until an hour before it came out. Do you know why Beep Beep was so short? Because 50 Cent didn't have enough time to send in his verse because he was supposed to have a whole verse on it. So she released it after the album already came out. Um, in her song, Are You Gone Already? She sings the date that she wrote it in the song and she wrote it on December 3rd. So only like two weeks ago. She said she just got vocals for one of the songs a few days before it came out. I think that's for her song Cowgirl because she said someone else was supposed to be the singer on it. People think Doja Cat was supposed to be the singer on it, but that's just a legend. But she got them really late. The song is the song Blessing blessings on the album she said she finished right before it came out and she was like rushing to write the second verse and she didn't know what to write yeah the song blessings with tasha cobbs leonard who's actually like a really fierce singer but yeah it just seemed all very rushed but you know what there's a lot of good things about this album so here's five things right with it that i love number one i think the features were perfect Literally every single feature was astounding. Like they added so much to each song. Sometimes people just put the worst features on their songs that totally take away from the message and are clearly just for clout. But these features were all utilized perfectly. And I like that she just didn't put a bunch of like super big famous artists on there. She just had her friends on the album. She was like, I don't care if you have clout. I don't care. I'm just going to work with people who I actually enjoy working with. The features were perfect. Number two, I just think she gave us what she's good at. I think even though this may not be her best album, it fits in with the other five albums and lands somewhere in the middle because even though it didn't meet fans' expectations of this huge growth or this huge surprise, she gave us what she knows we like. You know, she gave us the punchlines. A lot of the lyrics were super, super good. Her pen was still good. Her pen was on fire for a lot of it. She was giving us the disses and the jabs. And she's actually super good at doing sampled songs. So even though maybe the samples were too long, she knows how to add to them and make them exciting. Obviously, like a lot of her biggest hits are samples. She does a great sample. She can wrap her ass off any day of the week. So even though it was rushed, it was still good. And she just gave us what Nicki Minaj is good at. I feel like this album, she relied on what she knows she's good at. There was no like crazy risk or anything. And because it was branded as a retrospective album, she was allowed to do that. So she relied on everything she's good at and it worked enough. 
Number three is there was good storytelling. There were new topics that were not present in Pink Friday 1. And I was happy about that because I didn't think we would get any new Nikki life updates in this. I think she's been good at that in the past, but there would only be like one or two really telling songs about her on albums. And this time we got a couple that were totally new, super vulnerable, like the opening track, Are You Gone Already? It was about how her dad never got to meet her child. We never knew that about the her. Um, other songs like Just For the, the Memories, she admitted to a lot of insecurities and reflected on her whole life and how she got her mugshot and how she assaulted someone with a deadly weapon, bullied in school. We never really hear about that from Nikki. So I loved, loved, loved the autobiographical storytelling on this. And the fans eat that up. We always want more of that from her. And she gave us that. She gave us some great storytelling on this. Like in the song, Blessings. Really good storytelling. She made room for some more topics that weren't just about being the queen. There was still a lot of that. But there was enough room to like squeeze the in these new things as well. So I'm glad we got some vulnerability out of her. Number four, I like that it feels like a culmination of all the other albums and there's references to all of them. As a fan, I think that's just smart. And I think when your favorite artist r references their past work, it's like, like I said about Taylor Swift earlier, it's like practicing radical self-acceptance. It's not saying you hated your old songs, hated your old albums. It's like, no, I actually like them. Like she obviously referenced Pink Friday with the title and she did like a song that was in homage to Super Bass. I love uh, Pink Friday Girls. And she like she she did some same exact lines from Your Love that was on Pink Friday, which I really loved. There's references to the pink print on there. There was references to Queen on there. And I just love the connecting the dots like that as a fan. So I like that she added those Easter eggs in there. And number five, a good thing about this album, I will say that, you know what? At least she released an album. That's what I'll say. Nicki Minaj, yes, it was rushed. Yes, fans can complain this and that. She didn't rap enough. She just sang so much. She was barely on songs. They were too short. At least she released a damn album. A lot of your female rappers out there do not. Cardi B only has one album out. And she dares to call herself competition to Nicki. Huh? I don't like Nicki and Cardi are both busy, but Nicki actually makes time to give her fans music. Like that's the baseline of why we love her. The music. Not these products, not the internet clout, not this, not that. She's actually taking time to put out an album. People like Normani, people like Rihanna. They have these fan bases that they kind of abandon and just sell products. Nikki is not about that. Rap is her number one. She'll always make time to do it. She's the queen of rap for that reason. At least she put out a damn album. I would rather have a slightly rushed album than no album at all. That's a fact. You would be dying for a slightly rushed Rihanna album. I know it. So don't even come for this album. Thank God she put it out. And at the end of the day, even with the lack of maybe full commitment, she still delivered. And she has a great album on her hands. So haters, you can kill you. I'm kidding. But yes, I signed my lease in Gag City. I did. Oh my God. Speaking of Cardi B, you guys, as we wrap this up, I want to say... This weekend was all about Nikki. I actually have a prayer candle of Nikki right next to me in my apartment right now. I love candles and I love 
when they have uh, the celebrity candles with Jesus, like them photoshopped on Jesus. I have a Nicki Minaj one. I was lighting it this weekend. Like this was Pink Friday weekend. It was all about her. But Cardi B was performing at the TikTok festival. <laughs> so the first time I see Cardi B perform was when, you know, it's supposed to be like Nicki's weekend. It felt sacrilegious to watch it. But Cardi B's performance was really amazing. She really slayed. But again, a lot of the uh, Cardi B songs that she performed were a bit older. She got to put out the new album, but maybe she doesn't care enough to. <clears throat> oh my God, you know what else was crazy? So Offset performed too. Offset was at this TikTok concert. By the way, he looked so fire. He looked so good. He had this hairstyle where he like had braids in, but the braids slowly, like as they went down his sides, they went from like his black hair to like green looking like flower stem colored hair to then like at the bottom of his braids were a rose so he had like roses dangling from his head oh he just looked so good and he had this cute little suit on he only did like two songs but then cardi b performed right after him so i was like oh that's so cute maybe he'll come out for cardi's set you know they'll do a couple songs together maybe like motorsport and clout and jealousy no they didn't perform together so i was like oh that's weird he's literally right there why doesn't he just come on the stage, you know, give the people what they want. We can watch this husband and wife or fiance and fiance performing or whatever. Cardi B goes on Instagram live right after the concert. What does she say? She says, I'm single. Me and Offset are no longer together. <gasps> Whoa. Bitch, I was gooped and gagged. Because I was like, I just saw her on stage. Like, what? But yeah, her and Offset are broken up. And I feel like they're really broken up this time she said they've been broken up they've been broken up for a while she just didn't know how to tell everyone so she's just telling everyone on instagram live i bet you they broke up around july because that's when they had all those problems where they were accusing each other of cheating on each other and putting out that song together jealously it was a whole damn mess so i bet you they broke up around then she said it's been a while but cardi b is motherfucking single She's a catch, though. She's gorgeous. I mean, that body is expensive as fuck. She was shaking what her doctor gave her on the stage. She looked amazing. I like Cardi. I have nothing against her. She's single. Let's see who will step up to the plate next. She can get anyone she wants. But I really do think her and Offset are over now. And that's fine. Like, they have two kids. But I feel like, you know, that works. They're both extremely rich. Their kids will have a great life. They'll co-parent. Clearly, they're co-parenting fine if they went to this concert together. It's not like they didn't talk. You know, they probably just didn't feel like performing with each other if they don't have to. So good for them. Better to be apart from someone who no longer serves you in that way. But yeah, I'm so curious. Who who do y'all think Cardi could be with next? Who could you see Cardi with? All right, you guys. Well, thank you for joining me on this episode of Pop Culture University. I appreciate y'all. Let's do the superlatives for the day. So the class superlatives we are going to give out, if you don't know, if you're new here, you know, subscribe and stuff. Subscribe, leave a, leave a review. You're already here. You may as well do so. The reviews help it get pushed on the Spotify and Apple Podcast algorithm. So please leave a review if you haven't. Even if you just say good, period, do that. But the superlatives, we, 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 we give out these class titles to the celebrities every week to just summarize what we talked about. Kind of like they do in high school. I received the superlative for most likely to be on reality TV, which I think I, I will be soon. I mean, I, I auditioned for this shit. I auditioned for the Squid Games and I got two calls back. So maybe next time. So 
America's favorite celebrity this week. Celebrity number one is definitely Taylor Swift. I mean, come the fuck on. She's the person of the year. Of course she's number one. It's her birthday. Wished Taylor Swift a happy birthday in the comments. Public enemy number one, America's least favorite celebrity this week is Selena Gomez. I'm so sorry. People are not happy with her. People are actually turning on her for once. Damn. Selena Gomez is doing it to herself, though. So she's America's least favorite. And on previous episodes, she was most likely to be canceled next. So the next superlative I want to give out is most likely to be canceled next. So most likely to be canceled next this week is Kim Kardashian. Because people are going to wake up to the fact that she actually did some evil stuff to Taylor. And they're no longer on her side. So it'll be interesting to see if Kim responds to all the current comments in her section about being a snake. And you better apologize. So she's most likely to be canceled next. The secret villain of the week. The celebrity who you think is innocent but is actually the secret villain. Unfortunately, is going to Selena Gomez. But you know what? It's not even a secret anymore. Like, she's just the villain. And everyone is starting to see that. So maybe she can finally stop getting this superlative. She definitely wins that superlative for the year. It's her like every other week. So sorry, Selena. Not sorry. You did it to yourself. Last superlative is honestly a good one. It's the messy bitch who lives for the drama. The number one drama queen. This is a celebrity who knows they're making a mess, knows their names are in the headlines, knows they're, they're getting smeared online, but they don't care. They love it. They, they live for it. The messy bitch who lives for the drama this week is Sabrina Carpenter. Yep. 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 She lives for the fucking drama. She posted a link to her nemesis talking about how she followed their mutual ex-boyfriend. Posted a link. A link to her Instagram story. She's a messy bitch and she lives for the drama. Good for Sabrina Carpenter. And the drama is what she got. So, class, join me next week to find out who will win all the superlatives and to learn amazing information about pop culture, celebrities. I'm sure your notebook is very full today. We really went over a lot. This is a long episode. And to learn more amazing life lessons. Tune in next week. Leave a review, screenshot. Class is dismissed, I suppose. I have a busy, busy, hectic-ass week. But we're almost at the holidays. We're almost at the Hollis sleighs. So let's just push through together and be easy on yourselves. Life is already hard enough. Don't be hard on yourself. And we will get through the next few weeks. Stuff to look forward to. All right. I will see you next Tuesday. Oh, I just called you a cunt. Oh, my God. Bye. <laughs>